This is great. It's great to be with you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jesse Hinkle, and I am the uh, one of the host leaders at the Lincoln Center campus, um, and also serve on the teaching team. So I'm glad to be here with all of you. Uh, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we're working through the So Many Questions series. This is week three of five, as Mike was just talking about. We had over 130 questions, I think Dave said last week, and so we're responding to as many as we can in these five weeks. And uh, Even though we can't get to them all, um, we're getting to, again, as many as we can. So I'm going to respond to nine different questions today, uh, many of which have somewhat of a scientific flavor. And so there is that science feel of today. So um, Mike prayed for us, but but I just want to, again, pray really quick. So if you would, just just quick pray with me. I would greatly appreciate it. Father, God, we just thank you for uh, this time together. I thank you for uh, these people that are here today. God, I just ask that you would uh, touch them. God, we know you're here with us. God, we just pray that your spirit would uh, touch them just in, in a special way this morning. God, as we follow in the example of Jesus. And so we just want to be followers of Jesus, to do what he did as he did, God, and to grow closer to you through him. So God, we just thank you for this time together. Uh, we pray this in his name. Amen. So science has been an interesting topic to me uh, ever since I went to, uh, well, for a long time. Uh, but when I went into uh, my undergrad, I was uh, initially a pre-med major, and then the cadaver lab scared me away from that. So then I became a, uh, a philosophy and sociology double major, and, uh, and still asking questions about science. So I had been a believer and, and got into these, qu- these classes where we're asking uh, questions like, does God really exist? And, and these things started to rock my world. And, and uh, so I've been interested in this ever since and just found myself um, mostly in books for a number of years and then uh, even more so recently in the last five years, just really digging into scripture for what does, uh, what does this have to say. I want to show some quick statistics. Not only is this important because people in our congregation are wondering these questions, but because people around America America are wondering these questions too. So if you look, there was a study done recently just in the last few years asking young people, 18 to 29 year old, who had uh, uh, grown up in the church and are leaving the church now. They ask, well, why are you leaving the church? So they gave a number of responses, but some of the responses here. Uh, churches are out of step with the scientific world we live in. 29% say this. 25% say one quarter of uh, the respondents say Christianity is not so much out of step with science, but it's anti-science. Uh, 23% say they've been turned off by the creation and evolution debate. And another 23% say they have significant intellectual doubts about their faith. We'll talk about some of these things today. Um, we'll get to these. But this is an important topic. And again, I'm glad the questions came in. I'm glad that we have the opportunity um, to discuss them. I think there's some, in some circles, where, uh, where we are told that we need to put our faith in one box and put our minds in another box, and we're supposed to keep those separate. Uh, But I think Jesus leads us in another way, and he says uh, that we should love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and all of our strength. Again, the, the, the psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And Paul, writing to the Romans, he says, For since the creation of the, God, of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So based on what has been made, the study of what has been made, which is what science does, it studies what has been made, 
uh, we can know and understand about God. We can grow closer to God through that. So whether you're seeing nature, whether you're touching it, whether you're tasting it, whether you're smelling it, whether you're just rolling in it, uh, it's great and you can learn about God through that. Whether you're using a microscope or a telescope or a, a stethoscope or a periscope. I mean, when you're seeing nature, uh, you can grow closer to God through that, which is awesome. So I'm not going to stand up here and say this is what you need to believe. Um, I'm going to do more of uh, some spectrum things, kind of like they did last week, where, where there are some Christians who are over here, there are some Christians over here, and there are a lot in between. And we'll be talking a lot like that um, this morning. I also won't be able to answer everything, all the questions, all the nuances that go along with these uh, questions because it's such a huge, huge topic that, uh, that I'm just not going to be able to get to everything. And so if you have further questions, feel free to email me. I can point you in the direction of, uh, of uh, some great resources or I could also, um, there's been some interest in gathering a group of people uh, who want to continue to discuss these things and have more questions. Um, so there has been some interest, if that's of some interest of you, let me know and hopefully we can connect like minds. So the first question, we're going to jump into the questions. The questions are in your, uh, in your bulletin if you want to follow along with those. Um, I'm going to try to read them off as well. So first question is this, not so scientific but important nonetheless. I struggle with a lot of doubt, especially because I have a brother who is now agnostic. What evidence is there to prove the Bible is true and valid? Why should we believe it? Uh, for those who don't know, agnostic literally means without knowledge or unable to be known. And so uh, if somebody says they're agnostic, they're saying, I don't have enough information to make a decision about it. Sometimes I am agnostic about politics. I say, with what's out there, I don't feel like I have enough information to decide who's the best candidate. So agnostic, not enough information to know which way to go. Uh, but then here we go. So we got a brother who's impacting this person and saying, well, my brother's asking questions, now I am too. Um, amazing how a family has an impact on us, isn't it? How family has an impact on us. So why should we trust a book that's written, been written more than 2,000 years ago? What is the Bible? Why should we believe it? Why is it valid? Great questions. One theologian reminds us that the Bible is not so much a book, but it is a library. It's a collection of books. It's a whole bunch of books collected into one place. Uh, so it's not so much uh, one book, but, it's, but it is a library. It, it describes culture and language patterns and, uh, and these sorts of things. Um, but And while it does these things, uh, the authors of Scripture are not so much intending for it to be a history book, per se, or a science book, or a math book. You know, it's, it's not these things. What it is, is it's, it's writing about an encounter with God. Uh, we're writing about our experience of God. And, uh, and while it, it's not necessarily a history book or a science book, it does include um, information locked away within there that tells us that it is a reliable source that we can trust and that is valid. So I'll give you a couple points of this. Number one, the descriptions that are within the Bible line up with sources outside of the Bible. Uh, so when we look at, we read through, if you've ever read through scripture and you're reading about kings and, and uh, the events and places and dates of things that are going on, and, and more so, more importantly, is the, the way they live. So the culture and what was going on at the times. Now we're digging up archaeology around in that area, and much of what we're digging up is confirming what the Bible is saying about how people lived. So we know this isn't a story that was just made up and, and, and whatever. It, there, are, there are supportive evidence from around the Bible, supporting the Bible. Similarly, there is a historian who lived a uh, contemporary of Jesus, and he's writing, his name is Josephus, he's writing kind of the history of the Jewish people, and he's writing about the time um, 
uh, that, uh, well, there's a lot of turmoil um, following Jesus' death. And, and so he's writing about that time. And he actually mentions a man named Jesus uh, in his writings who uh, there was an uprising around this man named Jesus and the man named Jesus was put to death. And so mentions Jesus in this writing that's not in the Bible. It's this historian who was employed by the Roman government outside. So sources outside the Bible are confirming and supporting what's going on inside the Bible. Second thing, many of the events in the Bible have multiple witnesses which make them more reliable. This is where it becomes important to see the Bible as a library because these have been collected. It's not just one book. There's a whole bunch of people that came together to put this book together. So we look in the Old Testament. Uh, if, you're, if you're reading about the stories of kings, you can read about the stories of the kings in the book of Samuel, in the book of Kings, in the book of Chronicles. You can read about it um, as it overlaps with some of the Psalms, some of the other wisdom literature. You can also read about it uh, in the prophets. So Isaiah, Micah, uh, Jeremiah, um, you can read about what's going on and there's some history in there that all overlaps. And so you've got multiple witnesses. If you go into court and you have one witness on your side, somebody's going to say, well, okay, they got the one witness. But when you get two, three, four witnesses saying the same thing, you go, this, these people got something, right? And so we come to the New Testament uh, and you look, at, uh, you look at the Gospels. There are four different witnesses to the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, two of which were his direct followers, two were friends of his closest followers. And so you've got these, inside the Bible, you have multiple witness accounts, which attest to, and they're obviously di different authors. When you go back and you read them in, in the Greek and the Hebrew, they are, they're using different words. Um, and, and so you, you can tell that they're different people writing the different stories. It's not just one person who's writing the story, and well, I'll write it a little bit differently over here. Obviously different people judging by the way they write. So the Bible is, is uh, outside sources support it, inside sources uh, make it more reliable and trustworthy. We can trust the Bible. One thing we have to keep in mind, though, is that it was written uh, two and 3,000 years ago, and, and there are some things that we have to interpret uh, to bring them into our own culture. And we'll see this when we come to the question of science. How are people interpreting the Bible? How are we interpreting the evidence? So next set of questions. Uh, there's so much proof of evolution. How do you reconcile that with the biblical story of creation? Why is there so much evidence out there to suggest the earth has been around for millions of years with all kinds of animals before man appeared, while the Bible has a much different view on how everything was created? Is there any evidence to argue for the creation story from the Bible? I'll start off by saying, I think there are some times when we want to take creation, and some people will tell us that we have to take creation and put it in one box, and we have to take evolution and put it in another box, and, and those two will never touch. That's not necessarily true. The more and more I read about this, the more and more I read about creation, the more and more I read about evolution, I see that, that Christians are understanding, and even scientists are understanding evolution a little bit differently. There are different ways of understanding both evolution and creation. It makes it not so much of, a, of an antagonistic relationship, but you start to see some overlap and some possible ways that they connect. And so it's not just an in a box, in a box. They, these are overlapping in many ways, and we, we come to them... Um, and we can see that. Uh, let's start by, uh, before we jump too much into this topic, I want to start by building on some common ground. Um, I think it's good to build on some common ground. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Um, the, it's not on the screen, but many of you will probably know the verses that I'm, that I'm going to say. And so Genesis chapter 1. Does anybody know it? Say it with me if you know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, many of you know this. And so what do we see in the very beginning? What is the first truth that we get when we come to Scripture? The very first truth is that God is the one who's doing the creating. We are here because of God. This is the first truth that we get when we open up the Christian Bible. God is the one who's doing the, begin, the creating. 
So when we look at the creation account in the first, uh, in, in the first uh, chapter of Genesis, uh, we get to see some patterns about what God is doing there. Um, and I'm going to show this up on the screen. Actually, if we can have all six days up there, uh, that would be awesome. And so you see the creation kind of takes place in six days as it's described in, in Genesis. On the first day, God separates light and dark. Day two, the waters and creates the sky. So I picture this. He's creating this space with waters up above and the oceans down below. Day three, the oceans down below, God is putting the water in one place and putting the land in another place. He's separating, he's organizing. So God has taken the chaos that was creation. The Hebrew Bible says it was it was formless and void in the beginning. And so God is taking this formless and void and giving it structure. And he's doing this. And then so the first three days, he's organizing. The second three days, what's he doing? He's filling the spaces that he's just created. So day four, he fills the light and the dark with, with stars. And day five, right across from day two, he fills the sky and the waters with birds and fish. And day three, or day six, I'm sorry, goes along with day three, where God starts to fill that land that he just separated out and created. He fills that with animals and humans. Humans being the crowning pinnacle of creation. So the question asks, what about all those animals that were alive before humans? That's what the Bible says. Humans were the pinnacle of creation and made in the very image and likeness of God. So this is our common ground. This is what we do believe, is that there is some order to it. God's bringing order. God is the one doing the creating. Uh, After this, we get some differences. (laughs) And so uh, let's peruse some of those differences. We'll look over those. Um, I am an organized thinker. I like to say uh, that is where I get the image of God, is he wanted some organization and some structure. And so I'm going to try to give some organization and some structure to this conversation. So when we come to this, creation evolution, huge topic. Um, That's why I use notes, not because I don't know what I'm going to say next, but because if I don't use them, we'll be here for an hour and a half. So... uh, I've got to use notes to keep me on track. So I organize it like this. When I'm thinking about evolution creation, there's a couple questions we can ask ourselves that help us organize our thoughts. First question, how? How did God do it? How did he go about creating? Second question, when? When did God do it? When did he do the creating? This is where we're going to start to see some differences. Let's do how first. So we're going to have a spectrum. I'm going to be the human spectrum. I didn't bring a whiteboard. So uh, on this end of the spectrum... What you're going to hear people interpret in the Bible is this. God says, well, God created things according to their kind. According to their kind is repeated nine times in the Genesis first chapter. So God created according to their kind, meaning that he created them as they were then and as they are today. They're made in a kind, in a form, in a shape, and they were then and they are today. You'll hear people say, then he created in these six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and therefore he did no more creating after that. Like the creation was done after that initial creating. So things were created as they are, and they've been like that ever since. Okay? This is how the interpretation goes. So, so therefore, like humans were created as they are, made out of dirt. They weren't shaped out of, out of primates. Let's go to the other side. So on this end of the spectrum, you're going to hear people lean into the phrase, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Now, this again is repeated uh, throughout the, 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 the creation story. God is, is willing. Um, it's sort of like, may you be fruitful and multiply, is what God is saying. So may you be fruitful and multiply. And so what, what you'll hear people interpret over on this side of things is that God is involving creation in the creative process. And so you'll hear people say, God actually used evolution as part of the process. 
Maybe even God started with one initial life form and then God's like moving ahead of it, pulling it along and pulling out all that we see today. So God used what we understand now as evolution. That's just a process of God where God is pulling life out of, out of this one little life form that he started with. And obviously this would have taken a long period of time. So you've got your two spectrums, you've got your bookends, you've got the sort of the Emerald Lagasse type, bam, kind of creation over here, and you've got your long graduate, does anybody watch Food Network? He's a little bit older, anyway. So uh, you've got your bam guy over here, like creating right as it is, and then you've got your pulling it along, using, using evolution and some other process to, to, uh, to bring nature to where it's at today. So that's the how. Now let's come to the when. I'm going to step over here. Uh, at one end of the spectrum, you're going to hear people lean into this in the Bible. They're going to say, um, we're going to follow the lineages. And so, so-and-so begat so-and-so when he was 125 years old, and begat so-and-so when he was 130 years old, and, uh, and on down the line. Now you're going to get people who, on this end of the spectrum, add up all those ages and find out when Adam and Eve were in the garden. So God must have created around these times. I've heard anything from six to 10,000 years. The earth was created six to 10,000 years ago. This is when God did the creating. This is sort of the, bam, there it is, and it was around six to 10,000 years ago, following the biblical lineages. And as far as the when, it's more of the immediate. Um, a lot of people more at this end of the spectrum, you'll hear them say that God created in six literal 24-hour days. And so there was day one, 24 hours created, day two, 24 hours created up to day 7, 24 hours, God rested. Back to this end of the spectrum. Uh, on here, you're going to hear some different interpretations of the word day. You're going to hear people say that day, the Hebrew word for day, does not always literally mean a 24-hour period. Sometimes in the Bible, it refers to lengths of time. So you hear people on this end of the spectrum say, uh, well, it wasn't six literal days. Actually, that could have been long periods of time, like millions of years maybe. And so you'll hear people over here say uh, uh, that God created over long periods of time um, the extreme end of this and, and what... Uh, uh, where people mingle with science over here is that the earth is around four and a half billion years old and the whole cosmos, the whole universe is around uh, 13 and a half billion years old. So very old. So when did God do it? Long time ago, over a long period of time. Not so long ago, over a short period of time. You following? So these are your spectrums. There are some points in between here. Uh, we don't have enough time to talk about those. But, uh, but I think what's important here is, is here's a spectrum. Uh, and I think sometimes we have a, a tendency to look one end and look at the other end and say, well, they can't be a real Christian because of... Or they can't be a real Christian because, well, they think that. I think what's cool, though, as Christians, the common ground we stand on is that in the beginning, God created. And we can look around our place on this spectrum. We can link arms with those side by side us and just say, you know what? I'm just grateful that God created you that God gave you life, that he gave me life. I'm just thankful for that. And we can build on that as believers in God. We can build on that. Next question. Is Noah's Ark something that actually happened? Good question. I have a tough time fielding this question to my friends who are non-Christians. That's a profound statement. Is there any evidence to suggest this was an actual event? One person asks all three of these things. The response to this is less of a spectrum and more of a yes-no. Uh, there's some that say yes and there's some that say no uh, uh, regarding Noah's uh, ark and the flood. 
So those that say yes, um, you're going to hear people saying, yes, indeed, God caused the flood. Where humans had, uh, God created order and structure and gave it to humans and said, you know what, here's the structure, don't kill one another. And, uh, and then uh, humans uh, became sinful and lived in sin and they started to kill one another and it was chaos again. And so God wants to recreate the structure that he had. And so he releases the waters and creates and causes this flood that wipes out humanity as as they know it, um, and uh, and starts over with animals. We many of us know the the story of two by two that came aboard the ark, and 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 um, according to the songs. And so we we've got this whole starting over. Um, as far as evidence goes, is there any evidence? Uh, some people point out to evidence that there was flooding anywhere between six and ten thousand years ago. There were a couple different floods that had happened um, in in that area. You can you can look at the uh, at a couple of different seas there, and there's evidence of some flooding, possibly like glacial thaw. People refer to. Um, you'll hear some people say that indeed it was a localized flood, so it was just in that area. Uh, when the author says the whole world, they really meant that the whole world that they knew of was flooded. Um, other people in the yes category, they'll say no, actually it was a worldwide event. We can see evidence in places like the Grand Canyon, this massive flood that took place all around the world. So under the yes banner, there are, there are some different ways to, to, read, uh, to read the evidence and uh, to read scripture. Now when we come to the no side, some people say no, this didn't in fact happen. It was more just like a story to talk about who is God and, and to prove a point. So they say the evidence is lacking for a flood. And uh, one thing that you'll really hear is, is the evidence um, is, well, there's no way that all the animals that are on earth today could be accounted for by the size of the ship. So if indeed it was a worldwide, worldwide flood, there, there's just no way. We have the dimensions of the ship. And some people will say there's no way that you could have gotten all the animals onto that one ship. So I mean, one example I've been thinking of here the last couple of weeks is just the, the amount of insects that are in some jungles. Like the biomass that they take up is, is unreal. And so, uh, so uh, there's just no way. I want to just kind of say one thing on this one because it talks about, uh, I have a tough time uh, fielding this to my friends. We believe in a God who does amazing things. We believe in a God who can do and does miracles. And, uh, and not everyone believes in this God, so not everyone has an explanation for miracles. Uh, my cousin, stage four cancer, and, uh, and the doctor, he's healed, and the doctor says, we really don't have an explanation for how he doesn't have cancer now. And, and my cousin and his parents say, well, we have an answer, because we went to a prayer service, and, and he was healed. And so sometimes we as Christians have explanations that, that, that other people don't have explanations for. Let's take, for example, Jesus, who was put in a tomb and dead for three days and revived. This isn't just CPR stuff. This is dead for three days and, and alive again. This is the common faith that we share. And, uh, and so some things are difficult to explain. And First Peter, uh, Peter, when he's writing in First Peter, says we have to be ready to make a defense of our faith. We have to be ready to talk about our faith. Uh, but there are some times when, when we just need to lean in to the Holy Spirit and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction when the Holy Spirit wants to. Ours is to go forward and tell the stories of the miracles of God. Last question. How do the dinosaurs and the earth... There are five questions about dinosaurs. So I'm just going to... How do the dinosaurs uh, fit with the whole story of the Bible? Why doesn't the Bible say anything about dinosaurs? Were dinosaurs around with Adam and Eve? Um, is this consistent uh, with, with Scripture and a biblical worldview? I actually have a picture that tells the whole story. Pictures are worth a thousand words. And so... Uh, 
For those of you who can't maybe read it, um, there's an island and we have uh, two dinosaurs sitting on an island and the boat Noah's Ark is floating away and the two dinosaurs look at each other and say, they say, oh no, uh, was that today? Was that today? I got to watch what I say here. Thank you for humoring me. Uh, so dinosaurs, what about the dinosaurs? Again, a couple different perspectives. Uh, you're going to hear some people say they did, in fact, live alongside humans. Because when you read the book of Job, in chapters 40 and 41, Job mentions the behemoth and the leviathan. When you look at the descriptions, because they're described in, in Job, in the book of Job, when you read the descriptions, they very much match the description of what we know about dinosaurs today. And so they were living alongside. And in fact, they were probably killed off by the flood then. And so their bones buried deep in the earth, and even though it looks like they were old, 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 uh, the flood, because of the flood and, and the catastrophe that it was, it actually wasn't so long ago. So this is what you hear some people say. They did live alongside humans, they are mentioned in the Bible, and they were just killed off because they didn't make the boat. Others hold to a different view that maybe many of us heard in, in school, or if you read a National Geographic magazine, or I mean, it's in the news where they'll say so and so dinosaur was was recently discovered, and and and, uh, and so this side of the picture is that dinosaurs did live. Christians will think dinosaurs did live, uh, but they lived long before uh, the Bible was being written, long before humans were alive, and, and millions and millions of years ago. Uh, you'll hear people say that um, in Job, when it's talking about the animals that are in Job, the behemoth. Is, is an elephant and the uh, Leviathan is an alligator. So what do we do with all this? At the end of this, uh, at the end of this, what do we do with all of this? Uh, that's the question. Because we're going to have disagreements. As Christians, as a body, um, we're going to come into this and we're going to have some disagreements. And so the question is, what do we do in the midst of all of that? And so I've just uh, gleaned from Scripture a few things that, that I think are important to do. Uh, the first one is something I've already mentioned, and it's, it's following the example of Jesus and live holistically. Um, let me give you just one example of this. So there's a movie coming out called Prometheus, sort of appropriate as we're sitting in a theater. And uh, this, the, as I understand Prometheus, the, the theme of it is that life on Earth was planted by aliens. And so um, they're going back to find out about the origins of human life. And I think we need to be coming into a theater and watching a movie in that and saying, what does that say about my faith? We need to live holistically in that way. How does that reconcile with what the Bible tells me about God and about creation? What does that say when I come to this movie? Um, and so just like Jesus said, we need to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we do that all the time. We don't check our brains at the door when we come into a movie like that. So live holistically. Uh, and I don't think that's in there, but... Uh, oh, it is. All right. Second thing we can do is uh, build on commonalities. Uh, uh, Paul preached to the Corinthians. He, preached, he said, I preach Christ and I preach pr Christ crucified. This is our common ground, right? This is the faith that we share. Sometimes we think about faith as something personal and it's, it's very much about me. We share this faith. As believers in Christ and as followers of Christ, this is something that we share and we link arms uh, with those who share this as well. And we build on that fact because that is, that's the gospel and that's what we build on top of. Uh, if we are going to disagree about such things, uh, things like evolution, creation, and whatnot, I was uh, in, in Romans. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, uh, Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, which was a very diverse church, uh, very diverse church, socioeconomically and, uh, and ethnically, um, some we believe there was a lot of diversity there, as much as we know. And, uh, and so we don't have to forget our differences, 
but we don't have to live and die by them. Paul says, work for what makes for mutual upbuilding and peace. Mutual upbuilding and peace. In the midst of your differences, work for what makes for mutual upbuilding and peace. So we can have differences, but we don't have to live and die by them as believers. And last thing, I was just thinking about this. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, forgive as Christ forgave us. Um, you know, there are times when it, it will be hard to have conversations. And, uh, and that's okay. Sometimes it is difficult to have conversations with people that, uh, that really disagree. Um, I've been there, and, it, and it's, it's difficult. But, but uh, Paul reminds us to have uh, forgiveness as Christ has forgiven us. Move in grace um, in these conversations. So I'm going to close there, and I'm going to invite uh, a man forward to come and talk about his experience. He has been teaching science, uh, Mr. Wade Olson. Um, he's been teaching science for uh, 36 years, uh, high school and junior high, biology and, uh, and other things. And so um, I figure if you're not going to listen to me, uh, uh, maybe you'll tune in to a man who has grown up a believer all his life and, uh, and, uh, and also deeply embedded in, in science and in scientific conversations. So I'm glad that he could be here. Uh, maybe for those of you who don't know, um, Wade is also my father-in-law, and so uh, we get to talk about this uh, quite a bit. And uh, if he is groggy at all in his presentation, um, his third and final daughter was married yesterday, so congratulations to, to Wade. And uh, they had a long day yesterday, but, but we're glad that you could be with us today. So, so Wade, um, I'm just wondering if you could start off by talking a little bit about your, your journey uh, of reconciling science and faith. Uh, sure. And first of all, I'd like to commend Jesse for tackling this topic because those are three or four questions that could each take uh, like a series. They could be a six to ten week series. And it's, it's really hard to just put this all into um, one 20 minute period. Um, well, I guess um, if I go back to um, growing up in northern Minnesota with the lakes and forests and um, my family did a lot of hunting and fishing and I just have always been very interested in nature and uh, learning about it and um, I think about looking at a microscope at pond water and just really just fascinates me. Uh, and I really think that um, led me, um, partially anyway, to realize how great God is and mm. uh, want to find out more. And I know uh, Dave last week said that uh, God likes questions. Well, I, I like to hear that because uh, really science, we're very inquisitive people. God made us, you know, so I'm thinking that... Uh, he can handle any questions we have. And science is really about uh, trying to find out how things work. Jesse said, like, how and when. Science deals a lot with that. Um, and the Bible deals more with why things mm-hmm. um, are like they are. Mm-hmm. So um, so I guess I can go back to uh, I have three verses that are kind of key. And Jesse uh, already mentioned one. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, that's how the Bible starts. That's got to be a pretty important session or a pretty important statement. And if you think about God um, writing the Bible and thinking, gee, what should the first sentence be? Uh, Must be important. Okay, and then another one comes from Job 
Um, Job had a lot of problems and had friends that were uh, giving him advice. And finally God kind of stepped in and said, um, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Okay, so kind of like God is uh, saying, I was there, I know how it happened, uh, you really don't. And uh, to maybe paraphrase um, the great Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes, you know nothing. <laughs> well, that's kind of where we are as humans. And I think about... Uh, my science knowledge, I like to watch the Discovery Channel and uh, National Geographic, and that's where I get most of my information. But, uh, but I'm thinking also, I should mention that um, one of my former students, um, Mike Brost, uh, a few years back, um, I also coached him in basketball, and so do I know a few things about him? Uh, I might. Okay, uh, but I, a couple weeks ago he said something that us science guys kind of can relate to, but he said he was driving and he saw the full moon and he, he just felt like stopping and praising God for that. And, uh, and if you think about God's done all this for us, I mean, wow, that makes us feel like, gee, we should find out more about it. Um, and then finally the verse... Um, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So, um, I mean, those are things that can make, it, uh, make me think that science is very important um, and that God would just be interested. Well, of course he was because he did it all. Um, but I'm thinking that uh, they're, they're very compatible. And, and I'm kind of troubled by... Um, those facts or those the survey in the beginning that uh, some people would go away from the church because they think that uh, that it's anti-science or that uh, maybe scientists think that um, there's or that it's anti-Christian um, and so I'm kind of thinking that. Uh, you know, we do need to talk about these things. And it is divisive. And people tend to want to put everything at one end of the spectrum or the other. And, uh, and I think that um, there's mo more people probably somewhere in the middle. But I'm kind of uh, thinking about, uh, I teach 8th and ninth grade science right now. For many years I had 10th grade biology. And uh, there are some things that are um, very troubling to uh, students that are just being confirmed. They're just kind of finding out what's out there and what's true and what's not. And um, if you know eighth graders, I think I see a few eighth graders out there. You know, they have these questions. Or many of them are not afraid to ask. And so, um, so I guess you you're about ready to. Um, to hear anything as a teacher. And uh, I just have a couple examples. Or did you have another question? No, you can. I, I love hearing your stories about that. Uh, Wade, we'd swap books and we swap stories. And, and so one of the things that Wade has talked about is just watching uh, some young people who are, who are exploring these uh, questions. And so um, 
And so, yeah, if you just want to share some of those stories, sometimes they're so raw, you know. I, I think as we get older, we get a filter, but but uh, sometimes young younger folks don't have that filter. So uh, if you just want to share a couple of those stories, that'd be great. Well, sure. Yeah, and they will just say it like it is. So I'm thinking um, one example, uh, a few years ago, we were making some um, timelines for Earth history, kind of from the more mainstream science point of view. Um, we have a five-meter strip of um, adding machine paper, and we're sectioning it off into millions of years. And I always preface it by saying, um, this is uh, one idea of how the how how long the Earth is and what happened when. And so, um, other people think that there there are other ages for the Earth, and so uh, to kind of um, leave it at that. And so we and they also put in some uh, some notable geologic and biologic uh, things that might have happened in the different time periods. Um, and so we're, we're kind of wrapping that up, and one uh, girl raised her hand and said, well, where would Noah's Ark be uh, in this timeline, or could it even have happened? Well, that's kind of like, whoa, that's going to be a tough question just to answer. And... Uh, and so I said, well, you know, if it was 8,000 years ago, it's, it'd be in the Cenozoic era. And uh, so everybody's, oh, okay, it's in the Cenozoic era. <laughs> well, they like to have answers, and I have to be careful about that because sometimes kids then, when we do this in groups, they'll, they'll kind of be arguing about this, and then, and then they'll want me to come and tell them who's right. And I'm thinking, whoa, people have been talking and thinking and discussing these things for a long time. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really not able to answer a lot of questions. In fact, I probably say I don't know as much as I say anything else. But, um, but that is uh, what people are thinking about. Um, just this last year, we, in our astronomy unit, um, we spent a little time talking about the Big Bang Theory and so on the test, I had um, explained the Big Bang Theory in 10 words or less. Now, I know that's kind of narrowing it down a little bit, but um, we have a lot of topics to cover. And so uh, I had one girl that answered, uh, it's a very improbable theory that uh, I don't believe in. And I appreciate, she was kind of stepping out there and saying, well, she's going to be a witness for to what's right, and um, and I understand that. And and we had a talk about. Um, I'm not saying you have to believe this, but um, it's more than just a TV show about people that live in an apartment and everything. And and also, I was thinking the dinosaurs. Um, we have this picture, at least. Um, the older ones in here about the Flintstones. And of course, dinosaurs and um, town of Bedrock were all together. But um, So we get our information from a, from a lot of different places. But um, it's something that I'm, I know that as a parent you, you think about and um, 
have to deal with and as a teacher I uh, I deal with that probably even more um, and I'm thinking at first well maybe I, I just don't want to get into it I mean I'm thinking that separately but but I have to and then I think well they're going to hear a lot about this uh, I would like to be the one that introduces them to it uh, because although I don't talk about Christianity um, I know that um, that students would know that I go to church or if they know me then they know I'm a Christian but um, but it is something that uh, hopefully I know it's divisive and I think that by talking about it that kind of opens the door to some good conversations and it's fine to say we well we don't know about that but um, but God does know and he uh, I mean he started it all so mm-hmm. yeah thank you Wayne yeah I wonder how Mike answered the question about evolution in 10 words Big Bang Theory in 10 words uh, why don't we just uh, let's just close in prayer I want to one, one quick thing and, and uh, I want to pray about this as well it kind of reminded me just for your information we have in our Orchard Hill congregation we have teachers at many different levels junior high high school um, at the college level all within the fields of science so it's awesome that even within our own body of believers um, that we have people who are in the midst of science and, uh, and, and teaching and having a witness uh, to people who are studying um, these things so if you just if you just pray with me Lord God, we just thank you for the diversity, the mix of people, God, that you bring to our church that we can learn from and learn through. Uh, Father, I just thank you that uh, we would uh, be able to have witnesses faithfully uh, living out your call. Uh, Whether or not they can preach from their mouths, they can preach with their lives. And uh, Father, we just thank you for that fact that that we've got uh, folks in in so many facets of life. Um, Father, we thank you for your truth. We just trust you in the truth. And we just come unto your truth humbly as we, uh, as we study and as we grow closer to you to know you more. So God, we just thank you for these things. We thank you uh, through your son, Jesus. Amen.